Today is our third of three guest preachers, and I'm so excited to introduce you, for those who don't know already, Leroy Armstrong, who's right here with us. Soon to be, soon to be Dr. Leroy Armstrong. Leroy, yes, yes, Leroy, you can clap again for that, I guess. That's, yeah. Leroy has been used in our church to preach the Word of God in powerful ways. And you, myself, have been blessed by his gift of preaching. He's also a leader. He's been leading and has led in our church. He's leading in our community, continues to do that in so many different areas. He'll share a little bit of that this morning. And then he's going to preach on prayer. Some of you know he led our prayer ministries while he was here. And he's going to preach from God's Word. Get ready. I've gotten to hear it. It's phenomenal. I'm excited for what he's going to share over you this morning. Now, Hello, my name's Marina White. Hi, we're Janice and Jerry Bird. My name is Jan Temples. I'm Kathy Anderson. I'm Ben Wisnan and have been a member here forever. Um, I joined the church in 1991. Yes, I came here in 1953 with my family. Uh, I was in the first grade. I married Jim in 1974 in this church and came here then. When my mother and dad started here in the late 30s, I was born in 1942 and was in the cradle roll and the junior boys and RAs and so much of what was going on here at First Baptist Church. And then we joined this church in January of, of 05. One of the first memories I have um, from being here was I was singing in the choir and I have lifelong, lifelong friends that the day I came here become my best friends. We're all a family. And then in the fall of 05, I joined the choir and my husband uh, became an usher in this church. And it was from there, it took off. Probably my earliest memory is Vacation Bible School here as a young boy. I guess one of the big events for me was in 1963, our church sent, uh, if it's, ever needs to be an example of Texas Baptist, we sent our pastor, the head football coach, and the banker, president of the bank, to Japan for the Japan New Life Crusade. Uh, the most blessings I've gotten out of this church is the fact that working with other women in Bible studies, and we started out with Baptist young women and moved on up. There was a more profound impact on me than I recognized at the time. I guess one of the great impacts of my life was just the fact that First Baptist Church had so many people that mentored us, meaning us, my two brothers and myself. We needed a lot of mentoring uh, because we were the terror of the church at that particular time. One of the very first things that I did with this church was even before I became a member in 1979 when Mac Roark was a pastor here, um, this church sent a team to Egypt on a mission trip and I was privileged to go at that time as well. And at the time I was young, and we were sitting in the back row in the choir, and we were laughing, and lovingly laughing, at the two people, ladies next to us, and both of them have now died and are with Jesus, but they were the my age generation, and they would get so behind singing the music that they were dog-earing every page of the music. James Stewart and Marilyn Stewart, James taught me as a junior boy and was in, in an integral part of what my of faith became and how I grew up. When you come to this church, you feel that energy of wanting to reach out, not just in our community, but internationally to people that don't know the Lord. 
our daughter was the very first missionary journeyman sent from First Baptist Church. She went to, to Portugal in uh, 1996. But so much was going on at First Baptist Church and what was happening in the community. We were a part of that. Every time the doors were open, we were a part of it. And mother and dad were always sure that we were here. For the next generation, I think that this church, who has always been mission-minded, will continue to be that way from the youth up to our seniors. You know, one of the things that's interesting in, in First McKinney's uh, history is the fact that we've always had a big influence on young people and the next generation and what that is gonna mean to not only the kingdom of God, but to First McKinney. I realized, wow, they're now with Jesus. And if I was in the choir right now, the younger generation would laugh at me because I'm having to dog ear the pages. But that is such a warm, heartwarming memory to me because I can see that generation and now I want to be that to others and that's just passing on the love of Jesus in the community which is priceless too. God's been good to First McKinney. We've, uh, we've enjoyed his gracious love, his mercy, the way he's continued to look after us, to continue to guide us and direct us in the future. Certainly as we move forward, uh, as we celebrate this 150 years, we look forward to what the next years and the next 150 years are going to mean to First McKinney and the impact that this church can have on this community and at the world at large. I think that was a little weak for 150 years of God's faithfulness. We should do a little better than that. <laughs> great, great is His faithfulness unto us. Good morning, First McKinney. All right, you make me feel a little home here. All right, good, 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 good to see you to all who are joining us online let me say good morning to you I am grateful that you are logging on from wherever you are it's Labor Day weekend so some of y'all might be on the lake the beach somewhere amen I wish where I would be but I got a few more days and then honey and I are gonna be out of here we take our annual anniversary trip leave Friday sorry we'll miss your weekend festivities next weekend as you sort of culminate this season of celebration and it is appropriate for you to pause. I'm so grateful that you have. You only get to celebrate 150 years of God's faithfulness one time. And so you ought to pause long enough to reflect back over 15 decades. Yeah. Somebody do the math. How many weeks and days is that? <laughs> God's been faithful. He's the constant. There have been pastors who have come and gone. God's been the constant. People who have come and gone, God's been the constant through 150 years. And for however much longer Jesus delays this coming and allows this church to continue to be a witness, it'll still be that God is the constant as people come and people go. I'm looking around and I see some faces that don't look too familiar to me. I'm assuming that means that there have been some few new faces added here over the last couple of years since uh, my season ended. 
I'm so grateful. I said this morning at the 8 o'clock, 9.15 service that uh, I think about the, the unusual, uh, non-traditional ways of God. That I'm standing here in this moment is because God doesn't operate the way we think he does. We have neat little categories and boxes that we want to place God in, and he's not in those boxes. I'm here today because, humanly speaking, God worked through Derek Scobie to invite me to come here to preach as a guest, fourth Sunday of July of 2014, in one of the venues while another previous pastor, Bailey Smith, was here in the worship center, Pastor Sam. And I'm here because after that invitation, some six weeks later, Pastor Richard Mark Lee and Pastor Jack Hay called me on the phone and said, would you come and help us? And I'm here today because though they're gone, God's the constant. And with him being the constant, he allowed me to have the privilege of serving this church for six years through two pastors. And thanks to Pastor Sam and his gracious invitation, I'm here today. The unusual ways, the unique ways of God that are non-traditional. So I'm grateful for the privilege of being here and looking forward to shaking a few hands and giving and receiving a few hugs afterwards at the Welcome Center. My wife was watching online the first hour, the first worship service, and I'm not sure she's watching this hour. Uh, she can't stand to hear me that many times. <laughs> it's all right. If I wasn't here preaching twice, I wouldn't be watching me either. <laughs> I want to pause for a moment and just... Because God is the constant, there's also another truth about God, and that is that he works through his chosen vessels. So in the lineage of this church, there have been pastors. Uh, this morning I thought about Sister Edna Puckett, the surviving widow of one of the longest-serving pastors, Dr. Puckett, that this church has known. And, and after Dr. Puckett, Jeff Warren, and after Jeff Warren, Richard Mark Lee, and now... Here's Sam Holmes serving in this season. He has received a baton from those who were before him, and he's running his laps. And if Jesus delays his coming and lets him live, he's going to pass the baton at some point too. But let's just pause and give a little praise and appreciation for the tenure of your pastor for five years now with his beautiful wife sitting to his left there, Sam and Rebecca. Give God praise for your lead. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so good to see you, Rebecca. You're looking good, girl. <laughs> I thought I would take a, just a couple minutes to sort of give a real quick update. Um, last couple years since we ended our season here, we've gone back to what we were doing before I came. I came here out of a full-time ministry proclaiming the word ministries, and we're now back engaged in that ministry full-time. I sort of, sort of tweaked it down a little bit while I was here on staff, and now it's open full throttle again. 
And uh, through that, we've launched Proclaim Preaching Coach. And so anybody you know who wants to grow in his or her ability to communicate God's word effectively, we, we now make ourselves available to anybody. Thanks to the pandemic, uh, it shifted my understanding. What I used to think I could only do in person, I do online. So I'm coaching clients in Texas, Georgia, and Maryland right now because we can do it online. And so you can go to our website, Proclaim Preaching Coach. We've got some master classes coming up. Send them there if they want to get a sneak peek of what it would be like to spend some intensive time trying to learn a little bit that I've learned from 37 years of being a student of the craft of proclaiming God's Word. It's why I went back to school to work on Ph.D. so that over the next 20 years plus, as God lets me live, that I'll have sharpened my ability to not only proclaim his word, but to teach others who do the same. Uh, some of you guys might remember that last year I released my first book, and if you didn't pick it up, you can. Disruption, Resetting Your Life's Purpose, it's still helping people to get clarity on who God has specifically made you to be. If you don't, if you don't know the answer to the question, God, why have you put me here specifically, not your general will, but your specific will for my life. If you cannot answer that question, I believe your engagement with the book would be of help to you. We're still leading trips to Israel. November 10, we're headed out here if Jesus lets us to Israel with a group of 37 people. Some of you have gone with us in previous years, and if you're interested, you can still connect with us. And I've got a new hobby. Uh, Sam said I've spent a lot of time investing not only in this church, but in this community. And I've got a new hobby. When I met my wife, I told her I love Jesus and I like jazz. And she said, really? I said, yeah, I'm a smooth jazz lover. I really like smooth jazz. So we've launched the Collin County Jazz Collective here in Collin County, and we're offering concerts and exposing and educating the next generation of musicians who want to help advance this incredible genre of smooth jazz. This year our artists will be actually in the McKinney Independent School District the day before the concert. She's working on a doctorate in music at the University of South Florida and she's going to spend time with the music students, the band students here in MISD. Isn't that pretty cool? <laughs> to help train the next generation of musicians. So that's sort of the stuff, some of the stuff we've been doing. My wife is in school. Our three kids are or well as can be, you know. Uh, it's never perfect with kids. Y'all know that, don't you? <laughs> Our youngest, we're almost empty nesters. Our youngest is a junior at the University of Kansas, Jameson, at my alma mater, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I'm still a Jayhawk, lifetime Jayhawk. Yes, reigning national basketball champions, in case you missed it. The Kansas Jayhawks are the reigning national basketball champions. Baylor fans, in case you missed it. <laughs> CJ just celebrated his 23rd birthday yesterday, and he lives here in McKinney with his wife. And our oldest is now in a new job, Olivia, working for Microsoft and thinking about relocating to the city of Atlanta. She's a virtual employee with Microsoft and work anywhere in the world. What a, what a privilege, huh? 
to have a virtual gig like that. You can be anywhere. So we're thankful for God's faithfulness to us, and I'm grateful for the privilege to be here today. Pastor Sam asked me when he called me, he said, hey, I'd love for you to come. I said, wow, I'd be honored to come. He said, when you come, would you preach on praying for the next generation? And you know how this church rolls. I mean, every Sunday is scripted. Okay, <laughs> so he gave me my assignment of a passage from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. I started looking at it, and I was like, wait a minute, hold up. So I went to my trusty little spreadsheet where I keep track of every place where I've ever preached, teach, spoke, whatever. I said, oh, I know I had preached this passage here at First McKinney before. In, in July of 2019, while we were walking through a series through the book of Ephesians, the lot fell for me to preach Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. So I said, wait a minute. Sam must didn't like that sermon, so he wants me to try it again. <laughs> so that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. If it, preaching, if it was worth preaching once, worth preaching twice. But I want to do it different today. In fact, Mark Presley verified that, that he has found those uh, two services back from July 14, 2019. You can email him. And I, I, I focused on verses 14 to 19 majorly during the message that Sunday. And today I want to focus majorly on verses 20 to 21. So I'm going to move briskly through verses 14 to 19. If you feel frustrated with that, just ask Mark Presley for the link to watch the message where I went through those passages a whole lot more carefully, all right? But I believe as I was praying, Lord, what, what is it? Since, since you've assigned me, I believe God sovereignly works. And he worked through your pastor to ask me to come back to this pastor. God, what is it you want to say to this church in this moment? And I believe that these last two verses are where he wants me to focus. And so that's where I want to invite your attention to Ephesians chapter 3. Beginning with verse 14, I'm going to read 14 through 21. And our focus will be the last two verses. I'm reading now. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. So, Lord, thank you for this moment. Thank you for 150 years of your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness to the First McKinney Church, First Baptist Church of McKinney. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. Lord, as we give our attention to your word, we want to hear from you. I ask that you give us ears to hear that whatever might be claiming our attention, competing for our attention in this moment, Lord, would you remove it? 
that our focus may be on what you are saying to us today through your word. Thank you that your word is alive, it's living, and it's powerful, and it pierces deep. Thank you that your word facilitates the growth of our faith. Thank you that your word helps us to understand who you are and how much you love us. So now speak to us through your word and Holy Spirit. Without you, there is no proclamation that leads to life change. It's just empty words. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do. Thank you for what you did in the last worship service. Would you be pleased to do afresh in this moment? I yield to you and ask you to have your way. Whatever you do, we're going to give you the glory for it because it belongs to you and not to us. And this we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. While you've been focusing on the next generation over this season, the next generation and even the mission statement with your t-shirts, praying, making disciples so that our neighbors and the next generation and the nations, yeah, yeah, it, it's appropriate to focus on the next generation. The only reason this church is still alive after 150 years is because somebody decided to focus on the next generation. And if you're going to be alive and be vibrant and be vital, then it is appropriate for you to keep focusing on the next generation. But because this church is 150 years old, you've got multiple generations. And I would dare not just try to speak to one generation, but to speak to all of us as the people of God. And so today I want to offer this message theme of, of powerful prayers for God's people. And that covers all generations. <laughs> powerful prayers for God's people right here out of Ephesians chapter 3. Let me ask the question, what do you pray when you pray for yourself? I do hope you pray for yourself. I've been around long enough and I've talked to enough Christians that there are some people that don't believe you really are supposed to pray for your own needs. And that is a lie from the pit of you know where. God invites us to bring our needs, to bring our requests, to bring our petitions to him. What do you pray when you pray for yourself? What, what do you pray when you pray for other people? I, I'm assuming that there are times when you include others in your prayers. You intercede for other people. And you pray for them. What, what do you pray when you pray for others? The honest truth is we all have a weakness when it comes to prayer. I've not met any person who he or she says they're absolutely satisfied with their prayer lives. For most of us, we struggle to be consistent with our prayer lives. Is there an honest person who will say amen? amen. About a handful of honest people. The rest of y'all need some help. <laughs> we have a weakness. The Bible even tells us this in Romans 8. 
that we don't know how to pray as we should, but thank God, God helps us, and he helps us through Holy Spirit who intercedes for us with groanings and a language that we cannot interpret, and he helps our feeble prayers that we offer to be acceptable before the throne room of God in heaven. And one of the ways that he helps us in our weakness is by giving us patterns to use in our prayers. And they're right in the Bible. You don't have to make them up. Have you ever found yourself struggling? What do I pray when I pray for myself, when I pray for others? Open your Bible, flip, press some buttons and get to your digital version and you have lots of help for your prayers. Call them scripture prayers. The most powerful prayer is when you pray the word of God back to God. God is obligated to keep his word. Not like some of us, we'll give our word and go back on it. God is obligated. He will never go back on his word. So when I take the Bible and I open the Bible and make the Bible the source for my prayers, I've got a better chance of my prayers being effectual. <laughs> So right here in Ephesians chapter 3, we have, we have before us this incredible prayer pattern that if we're willing to pray it for ourselves and others, we can see some incredible results. As I said, I want to move quickly through these first three prayers that are in verses 14 through 19, and you can ask for the link to see the in-depth exposition. <laughs> Well, what do we pray when we pray for others and we pray for the next generation, we pray for this generation and for the generation that came before us? What do we pray? We, we pray that God helps us to rely on inner strength through the presence of Holy Spirit. Every believer in Jesus Christ who has embraced Jesus, something happened in that moment. When you place saving faith in Jesus Christ, God took up residence in you through the person of Holy Spirit. It's why Jesus said, I have to leave so that he will come. And when he comes, he will not only be with you, he will be in you. So that the believer in Jesus Christ, the Christian, walks around with God with you. That's an amazing thought. The more cognizant we are, the more aware we are of this reality, it would actually rearrange our behavior. If I were aware of, of the fact that God is with me everywhere I go, there would be some places I choose not to go. Amen. If I'm aware that God is with me and hears every word that I utter, every syllable, it'll change some of the things that I say. He is with us. And what we want to pray is to pray that we will learn to rely on his strength that is within us. Not your strength. Your strength is limited. Your strength will fail you at critical hours. But if you can learn to rely on the very presence and power of God who is within us, Paul says, we can see God do mighty things. Pray that we receive help from God to rely on his strength, his power within us. Pray, secondly, that we experience God's 
limitless, unconditional love. <laughs> I love it. In this passage, he says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of God which surpasses knowledge. And if you work with that passage a little bit, you'll understand what Paul is saying. What he's saying is, is that, that, that this prayer is a prayer that we will move beyond an intellectual head knowledge about the love of God. Anybody here in person know for sure, I mean absolutely sure, that you are a Christian and you have no doubts about it? Let me see your hand. Anybody sure, absolutely sure? Yeah, a whole bunch of y'all. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that's why you're here. You are sure that you are a child of God and you have enough faith to believe in the love of God that has resulted in you being saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish. And you believe that. And so you are, you are confident in the love of God to save you. I've got another question. Are you confident enough in the love of God to keep you day by day until you breathe your last. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. The honest truth is we talk it, but our lives oftentimes do not demonstrate that we actually believe that we have had the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. We don't live like God's love is limitless. Paul says, I want, you, I want you to get to the place where you experience this love. Well, you've experienced it in salvation, but have you experienced it in sanctification? Have you experienced it in the discipline of God when you have been wayward? Have you experienced it enough that even at your worst moment when God still loved you, when others gave up on you, kicked you to the curb and wrote you off? That's what Christians do to other Christians. But that's not reflective of experiencing personally this unconditional love of God. I texted Pastor Richard Mark Lee this morning to say thank you for inviting me because I wouldn't be standing here this morning if God hadn't used you. Paul says, I want you to experience. I don't want it to be head knowledge. I want you to experience this love so that you, you walk in a relationship with God where you know that there's absolutely nothing that you can do that will separate you from his love. And even when you go astray and act like you are out of your last mind and you disobey him, God's love will not quit on you like we do. You love you enough, just like a loving mother. I was trying to think of, of an image, Pastor Sam. What, what's a good image to describe this unconditional, limitless love of God? And it's the love of a mother for her wayward child. She won't quit. When dads are through, mama's still there. And that's the love of God. He says, I want you to be experiencing this love. Thirdly, 
says, pray that you'll be so full of God's love that you'll be full of him and you'll have all that you can handle of God. <laughs> the, 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 word is, the word is here that it's like our lives, our, our bodies are vessels, like we're a cup and we're a vessel. And, and he says, I want you to be full to overflowing with God so that as much of God as you want to have, Paul says, pray that, that you'll experience it because as much of God as you can handle, God's ready to give you that and more so your cup is overflowing. Yeah, where I want to focus, because I believe God wants to speak to this church today, is beginning in verse 20. The fourth prayer that you can pray when you pray is pray that we will believe in God's exponential power. Pray that we, that we believe in God's exponential power. In verse number 20, the Bible is very careful very careful. Paul here, right on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he, he, he's trying to find words in his vocabulary, and he had a pretty vast vocabulary. He's trying to find the words to describe what this is like, God's ability. And so he, he writes, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask for or imagine with your mind. He says, what's the biggest prayer you've ever prayed to God? What's the biggest prayer? The biggest ask that you've had of God. God, would you save my family member? God, would you bring back my wayward child? God, would you deliver us from this situation? God, would you provide? What's the biggest prayer? He says, when you get to that biggest prayer, I need you to hear carefully that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above that too so that you are just scratching the surface when you have reached the place that you are asking the biggest prayer that you could ever ask of God, you are just beginning. <laughs> he says, and, 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 and by the way, what do you dream about? What I've discovered is that believers will dream about far bigger things than they will ask for. That believers in Jesus Christ, we are prone to dream big dreams, but then we won't utter them because we somehow conclude that it's not possible. Paul says the biggest dream you have, the biggest dream, God is able to do even more than that. But the question is, do you believe? Do you believe that he's able? And, and the proof is, by our behavior, that most of us have to conclude that we partially believe. Yeah. Yeah. We believe until we get to the limits of our own resources. We believe until we get to the limits of the people we can call on. We believe until we get to what? To the limit of what our education and all of our connections can do, and then we're done. God says, would you please hear me? That when you're at your wit's end, at your limit, I'm just beginning, but do you believe it? 
There was a man who had one of those situations, Mark chapter 9. His son was demon-possessed. He had taken him to the disciples, the followers of Jesus. <laughs> and the followers of Jesus couldn't do anything. So this father is obviously frustrated. You would be too. The followers of Jesus, y'all supposed to be able to do something, but they couldn't. <laughs> so when Jesus shows up, this man, this father, he, asks, he says to Jesus, he says, well, your disciples couldn't do anything about it, so, so if you can do something about it, would you heal my son? Now imagine that. <laughs> Imagine a person standing before God, in the very presence of God, Jesus, in the incarnate flesh, in his incarnate humanity. And a person standing before Jesus and saying, if you can. <laughs> Jesus turned it on him. He said, if I can. That's not the question. You're looking at God in the flesh. The question is not if I can. The question is, do you believe? And an honest man, an honest person, his father responded to Jesus. He said, Lord, I believe. But would you please help my unbelief? And isn't that true about us? That we're a mixed bag, aren't we? We're a mixed bag of belief. Oh, God, I believe you for salvation. I know I've been saved because every now and then I can feel you. I know I've seen your work. I believe. But to believe you for the exceeding and abundant above all that I could ask or imagine, well, God, you know, I ain't too sure about that. So, so can you be honest before him and say, Lord, help my unbelief? Pray that we will believe in God's exponential power. You know, the challenge with having a little bit of means, and this church has a little bit of means. You have some people that can write some checks. The, the problem with that is that you have a little bit of means. <laughs> and when you have a little bit of means, you're tempted to trust in your means. And while your means might be more per capita than others, it pales in comparison to God. The psalmist declared, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hill. The silver, the gold, it all belongs to him. So, so will, you, will you believe God? You believe God? sit in this worship center, have all these buildings on this campus because some people believe God could do it. Not that so-and-so could write a check, but that God could do it. And if we took our little and put it all together and God breathes on it, that God would do more. <laughs> so pray. Pray that going forward, going forward, that that, that, the, that the builders, the boomers, the busters, the bridgers, the Ys, the Zs, the AAs, and the BBs, and whatever else generation comes, that we will believe in God's exponential power. Fifth prayer. Pray that we behave appropriately 
in God's extraordinary partnership. Yeah, extraordinary, extraordinary. It's right there back in the verse. It's right there. Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundant, but all you could ever ask or imagine, watch this, watch this, watch this partnership, according to the power that works within you. Do you see it? It's an extraordinary partnership. The extra part is the power. What power? The same power Paul is referring to that he wants you to learn how to rely on back in verse 16 and 17. That same power, same power that sealed you unto the day of redemption in the moment that you believe and marked you with his presence according to Ephesians 1. That same power, he says, is, is at work. It's present tense. That power is working in you. Not that it worked in salvation, it did. Not that it will work when your dying hour comes to transport you safely into the presence of God. But right now, that power is working in us. But you've got to behave in the partnership. Because it's a partnership of God's power with dust and bones. Last time I checked, God took the dust of the ground and he breathed and Adam became a living soul. A little bit later, he took a bone from Adam and fashioned the woman. We are dust and bones. And what God wants is for the dust and the bones to learn how to cooperate with the power that is present in us. Many of us treat Holy Spirit like we treat guests who come to our house. How many of you ever done this before? You had some people come to your house, greet them at the front door. Come on in, make yourself at home. This is our home, is your home. Come on in, make yourself at home. You were lying. Because <laughs> you didn't mean it. What you meant was, follow me, because I'm taking you to the room where I want you to sit yourself down. <laughs> and you sit yourself down, and don't you move without asking me. The guest is present in your house, but they're not free. And that's how many of us treat Holy Spirit. He's present in our house. That is our lives. He's present. But we have restricted him. I don't want you to have free reign in all of my life. You stay where you are over there. Because I'm kind of afraid of you anyhow. Because if I yield to you completely, I'm not quite sure what you're going to do. <laughs> he says, no, that's not proper behavior to limit him, neither is it proper behavior to refuse. How, how can you have the very power that created the heavens and the earth present in your life and you choose not to rely on him instead rely on yourself? I'm just saying, that don't like make sense to me. And I know because I've done it. <laughs> and I don't think I'm by myself that there's some others who have done it. Yes or yes. Behave appropriately in this partnership. Holy Spirit's present. We must learn to cooperate with him. We cannot grieve him by our persistent sin. 
If you grieve him by your persistent sin, then Holy Spirit has to spend time grieving you back to get you out of that place that's dark and not where he wants you instead of him being free to flow throughout your house in order to do this incredible stuff that he wants to do. So behaving appropriately is not to grieve him and it's certainly not to quench him, but it's to yield to him and to be filled, to let him have his way. I train preachers and teachers and one of the things I train them to is, is there something unique that happens in the moment of proclamation that if you are yielded to the Spirit of God and not a slave to a manuscript, you will see God do stuff. And over 37 years, I've had it happen more than once where I'm the one speaking humanly, but I'm watching God work through me in the moment because that's what God wants to do got to behave appropriately. We who are Baptists and evangelicals have a tradition that's rich, missions and evangelism and doctrinal orthodoxy, but we are poor when it comes to our reliance and dependence upon Holy Spirit. And I pray the next 150 years of this church, since you have minimized the Baptist in your name, it gives you a good excuse to let the Bible rise high and allow the truth of who Holy Spirit is to shine big. I'm done with this. When God shows up, he does what he does and only what he can do in and through you and through us. And big things happen, lives are changed, people are impacted, the kingdom is expanded. And I mean, stuff happens. When it happens, make sure, make sure you pray that we give all the glory to God for all that he does. <laughs> That's why he ends. It says, he ends in verse 21. It says, to him, when God does all this wonderful stuff, exceeding abundant by all you can ask or imagine, he does it according to the power that is working within you. He says, in that moment, there, avoid the temptation. Make sure you do the right thing and get to him be the glory. To him be the glory. Where? In the church. <laughs> That's no, no accident. Be the glory in the church because the church exists because of what God has done. The church was birthed on Pentecost because of what God did. And the church continues because what God has done. The church doesn't continue because of what you have done. It's because of what God has done. I preach in a whole lot of churches, and I go around place churches, and, and I see buildings and rooms and seats and all named after folk. And I mean, it's names everywhere. Name on this and that and that. And I'm going, oh, okay. You see, they're getting the glory, not God. Pastor Louisville, Kentucky, my first church, and when we, Lord blessed us to expand our borders and to build a brand new facility with a group of quote-unquote blue-collar people <laughs> who took their little and put it before God, and God did exceeding abundantly and allowed us to expand our borders so that we could better reach that community, the west, division, west side of Louisville, Kentucky. When he did that, I was tempted 
to want to put some names on the building, Sam. Cornerstone, you know how we do. <laughs> Cornerstone. So I said to the people, to the leaders, brothers and sisters, when the Lord allows us to dedicate this building, we ought to dedicate a cornerstone. And on the cornerstone, we should have the names of the deacons and the names of the trustees and the names of the building committee members and uh, the name of the pastor. And the honest truth was, I didn't care about their names being on there. I was using that as a cover. You know how we do. We'll, use, we'll, we'll put a cover on what's really happening to try to make it look right when it ain't right. And, and I, I put a cover on it by saying, I, I, all your names, deacons, trustees, y'all going to have grandchildren and great-grandchildren who will walk by this building years from now, and we're all in heaven, and they ought to be able to look and see that you are a part of it. And the Lord convicted me. I was on a trip in Denver, Colorado, and he convicted me big time. And he said, if you put your name on that building, anybody else's name, I'm going to let you have it. And I had this incredible feeling of inadequacy that came over me like a flood. I was like, I don't want it, God, because I know I can't handle it. I went back home and pulled those leaders together and said, we're not going to put anybody's name on this building except Jesus. He's the head of the church. It belongs to him. We're going to put his name on it and his name only. And for the rest of the time that I served that church, I continued to see God do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or imagine because he was getting the glory. First McKinney, I love you and I'm praying for you. That as you move into this next decade, this next 150, I'm praying that you will make sure that you give God all the glory for all that he has done. Don't you, don't you fall into giving praise to an individual who writes a big check. Because the, the individual that may be able to write a big check is nothing compared to God. If you don't believe it, stick your hand in a bucket of water and pull it out. And ask the water, do they remember that you were there? But you give God the glory, and what God does is he works through ordinary people, ordinary people, ordinary people. And as long as we keep giving him the glory, he'll keep letting us experience his exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. And that's how I want to live, and that's how I'm committed to living the rest of my life. That's how I pray you'll live. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word gives fuel to our prayers. And I thank you, Lord, that when we pray your word, we have better opportunity for our prayers to be heard because we're literally praying your word back to you. So today we ask that you help each of us to rely on inner strength through you, Holy Spirit, that live within us. We pray that you will help us to experience your deep, deep love, unconditional, unlimited. We pray. And you will help us to just get as much of you as we can stand, God. And that our lives are overflowing and oozes out. So that wherever we go, whatever we're doing, it just oozes out of us. 
because we're full of you. We pray you help us to believe. And would you please help our unbelief, dear God. The unbelief that is present in all of our lives, the measure that's there, would you remove it and fill it with belief, God. Belief in your exponential power. For the living of these days in our families, in our communities, on our jobs, in our businesses, and whatever it is you assign us to do, Lord, that we believe. Would you help us to behave in this partnership? Holy Spirit, teach us how to yield to you more, how not to quench you, how to be filled by you so that you're in control how not to grieve you and God help us to give you all the glory not unto us but unto thy name belongs all the glory all the honor and all the praise throughout all generations <laughs> Thank you, God, that this church has had some generations before this one who knew how to give you the praise for what you did. And God, if there's anybody who's watching online or here present today that right now cannot say that you're present within him or her because they've not believed yet for salvation, not entered your family, They've not embraced Jesus and put all their faith and trust in his finished work. Lord, today, as we're celebrating in this season, would you expand your kingdom and your family? Let them know that it's simple because you did all the hard, heavy lifting. It's simple because you paid the price that we couldn't pay. And from a sincere, honest heart that cries out, with feeble words, God, I believe, will you save me? God, I believe in Jesus, will you forgive me? God, I believe, will you accept me as your child? And in that moment, you take up residence, your presence. I pray there'll be rejoicing on earth as there is in heaven for every single person that embraces Jesus. Lord, may your, may your grace and mercy, may your favor rest, rule, and abide upon this church, and may you continue your gracious mercy and favor and love for this church in the days ahead. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.